Khalil Thomas has been in the game for quite a while. He is a man that has played pro just about anywhere you can think of and has passed that knowledge on as a coach in his post-playing career. A man who also has a son who has a lot of bright days ahead of him. We'll talk about that and a lot more. Let's go down the rabbit hole with Khalil Thomas. Welcome into the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. Jordan Coons with you. I'm joined by the assistant coach of the Swamp Rabbits, Khalil Thomas. Khalil, it's a premature offseason. I know you were caught as off guard about this as all of us. So uh, how are you holding up in the, uh, I should say, uh, offseason days all of a sudden on April 22nd? Uh, hey, Jordan. How is everybody doing here and everything? Um, you know, I'm just uh, hanging in there right now, uh, just uh, trying to uh, keep my distance from people. Uh, just going out to the grocery stores and back and, uh, you know, uh, doing a little bit of recruiting for uh, from these college kids that are coming out of college. Um, but, uh, you know, everything else is uh, on a standstill uh, due to the NHL. So, yeah, I'm just hanging in there, uh, waiting for this to pass and uh, so we can get back to normal. You're not wrong about that. I, I feel like uh, nothing is normal at all. And we were thrown into uh, – you know, we were obviously ready to play that Thursday against the Florida Everblades, and then all of a sudden, you know, about two hours before puck drop, we say no go, um, and that sucked. I mean, for all of us, we were all ready to go. I'm sure uh, every player was in the building at that point preparing and getting ready to go. Uh, take me through that day for you. You know, it was just weird. You know, we were – about to play Florida, we were all feeling good as coaches, as players, and everything. Um, and then, you know, it's just so weird how everything happened. And you know, the game gets canceled. Okay, fine. You know, game gets canceled, we're rescheduled. But then it seemed like within the next seventy-two hours, our season was just over like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a weird feeling, and everything just happened so fast. And uh, but uh, you know, the, there's a good reason for it and everything uh, for everybody's safety within the. Uh, within the hockey world and also in the community. So, um, you know, it's understandable and everything, but um, it was just so weird how fast everything happened. And not to mention finishing the season in a a playoff spot as well. And, you know, I thought the team really turned things around after kind of go win one, lose one here uh, in that comeback win against the Indy Fuel a week prior. uh, And then the big win against Orlando and, it just felt like something was turning and all of a sudden it just gets brought to a, a complete and utter close. So uh, unfinished business is I'm sure what is on your mind here. And not to mention the other three teams or perhaps the other four or five teams that had a shot at it uh, in the South division. So uh, I know in particular, it's hard to really replicate things in a year to year basis at this level. Cause you never know what players are going to be here. Um, but what, what do you take away from this past season uh, and improvements from year one to year two? Um, you know, I think that, you know, um, uh, dealing with the, the, uh, the NHL and American League contract players uh, was a uh, first time for Kevin and I and um, managing, uh, you know, the up and downs and everything with that, uh, when they were called up, when they were with us, 
I, I think that, um, you know, last year uh, with Kevin and I managing all that, uh, it was good experience for us. And, and going into next season, uh, it gives us some uh, more better perspectives of um, what we need to do uh, uh, when we go through those ups and downs. And, you know, just, just before that, the season was over, we were just coming into a, a high where we were getting guys back, we were feeling good, we were getting healthy, and then uh, it all just came to an end. So I think the major thing that we took uh, away from uh, last season was managing the, um, the American League contracts and NHL contracts uh, going up and down. It's challenging for sure because you never know when the phone call might come. Either way, you never know when a player's getting taken away from you or if you have to make a, a cut of a, an ECHL-contracted player just to, to meet the roster limit or the salary cap to make that happen. Right, and as you know, there was times where we were on a bus and Bednar was getting called up while we were on a bus. <laughs> and then we had to bring in an emergency goalie, right? So, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, it was tough, but it's part of the game, right? It's part of the job, and uh, it's just uh, – and Kevin and I are, are glad that we went through that because now we know more – better uh what to do when uh, the situation comes up growing pains right that's that's what we're yep. all that's what we're all here for in a way and for some reason we crave the pain i don't know what's wrong with us as a whole in the sports industry but we we find a way uh so 12 years as a professional hockey player the journey all started in in flint michigan and it ended in jacksonville florida your pro career took you just about everywhere. It even took you across the pond in Germany for, for a spell. What do you take away from your pro journey? Uh, you know what? I had a, I had a, great, uh, a great career, and, and I wouldn't change anything for nothing, especially uh, where I grew up. You know, I, I grew up in, uh, in, uh, in North York, Ontario, Canada, uh, and I grew up in uh, Ontario Housing in a, in a place called Fleming Park, so... It was, uh, you know, it was a rough area growing up and everything, and um, I had great friends and everything, and, and I just had to keep myself clean um, growing up. Uh, so where I came from to where and what I did for 12 years is, was great. Um, I used hockey to get out of my situation, and, um, you know, I, I think that at the start it was rough. You know, I went from getting cut from two teams coming out of junior and on my way home and and a buddy of mine calls me. Uh, they were short in Flint, Michigan, and they needed some emergency players. So he was just like, uh, you know, come over here for a couple of weeks. We, we got some injuries, and then you, before you go home, you can make a couple bucks, right? So I, I ended up in, um, uh, in Flint, Michigan there, just covering for injury reserve guys. And then once I seen guys coming back over injury reserve, I, I kind of knew that, you know, things were probably going to go south for me there. But it ended up... Uh, I ended up going into coach's office and, uh, you know, thanking him for everything. And, and, and he was kind of, um, you know, shocked of why, why I was saying thank you for everything. And, and then he was like, as a matter of fact, uh, you're not going anywhere, kid. You're staying here. Uh, you're, you just got called up to the IHL with the Detroit Vipers. So, you know, I, I went from uh, getting cut from two teams, thinking that I wasn't good enough to play for hockey, to playing with uh, Sergei Samsonov that same year in the IHL. Hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and this is what I tell kids nowadays, you know, you know, when you get released from a team or cut from a team or anything, it has nothing to do that, that you're not good enough or anything like that. You know, us coaches, we've got to put a puzzle together and, uh, we can't all have the same players, right? We have to have a dynamic of players 
that uh, that, that fit a good puzzle that, that, that gets us wins. You know, you look at a player like Roman Amarada. You know, we, we had to let him go. But he's an awesome player. Um, we, we, we just felt like we had too many of uh, players like him, and he was just the one that we decided uh, to let go to Norfolk. But he was one of the Norfolk's best players, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when coaches put teams together, uh, you know, it, it's a puzzle. We just can't have all the same players. Think about the Team Canada at the Olympics, you know, having – uh, Jonathan Taves is your fourth line center. I mean, anywhere else, he's uh, probably your second line center. But at the same time, like he's the only player that perhaps can play like that in a star-studded lineup. So you're absolutely right on that. Where you know you can't have you know, in the normal lineup sense, you can't have twelve snipers and six offensive two-way defensemen and just make a great team, you have to have some sort of variety. Yes. Yep. See, I could be a coach maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, take a look down, down this journey. So Flint, Detroit, Pensacola, Columbus, over in Germany, spent more time in Flint and Detroit, Rochester, Memphis, St. John's, Newfoundland, Back to Memphis, Flint, Oklahoma City, up to Quebec, then to Jacksonville, and then Florida, wherever the Florida Seals played, and then back to Jacksonville. I mean, uh, I know that there there is something to be said of a player that goes a lot of places. They call them a suitcase. Would you call yourself a suitcase? Not at all, because I played for four main teams, and those other teams in the American League and the IHR were teams that I was getting called up to. So okay. I wouldn't consider those full years. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, going to St. John's and, and Detroit, uh, those were all call-ups. I was uh, getting called up all the time. So my main teams were um, Flint, uh, Memphis, Oklahoma City, and Florida. So those were the four main teams that I played for. Um, I did half a year in Germany and came back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a suitcase. Uh, I never got traded or anything like that. So, um, you know, as I, I, I did get traded once, but then I got traded back. To the okay. same team, so I, I've never been, you know, uh, jumping around like that. A lot of players in their career want to get to the highest level possible. You made it to the American Hockey League. You played eleven games in the American Hockey League. What was that like that first time that you suited up back in uh, the ninety nine two thousand season for Rochester? What was that feeling like? You know what? So, yeah, I just uh, it was funny. I got called up to uh, to Rochester from uh, Flint, and uh, I, I went in there, and I knew they were Buffalo's farm team and everything. And um, you know, usually when you get called up, you're usually just on the fourth line, just sitting there. Uh, you know, no power play time, no no penalty killing or anything like that. Surprisingly, every time I got called up, I always played a regular shift, and I most times I got penalty kill. Sometimes I would get some power play, but um, that was one thing that I was pretty, you know, uh, happy about. Like, I never went up and sat on the bench or mm. or didn't play, you know. Uh, so that was one thing I could say. Um, you know, that experience was awesome. I knew I was playing for um, Boston's farm team, and um, there were some uh, prospects there uh, that, you know, like, wow, I'm playing with these guys right now. And I see these guys uh, in the NHL up and down all the time. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I, I knew I was only there for two games. Um, because they had some injuries. Uh, so uh, that was just 
uh, one of those situations where I knew I was coming back. Mm-hmm. And you, in your time in Flint, uh, knowing and looking at your uh, laptop, desktop background, you were a champion uh, in Flint. Uh, you played with head coach Kevin Kerr. You have that to your name. Take me through what it's like to be a champion. I have not had the chance to be that yet. Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to win three championships, uh, one with uh, Flint and two with uh, Memphis. Um, you know, I, I, and that was one of the main reasons why I came back from Germany was because I, I always wanted to win a championship, even through junior through midget and junior, I was I was always uh, uh, hungry to win a championship ring and everything, and that was just something that I wanted to do and I needed to do. So uh, when I came back from Germany, I, uh, I played for Doug Shedden in Flint, and we had an awesome team there. Uh, we ended up winning the championship there. Um, I, I uh, the, the next year later, uh, Doug Shedden moved on to Memphis, and I stayed in Flint as the captain. And... Um, uh, you know, I stayed there. We didn't make the playoffs. I think that was the first time in my pro career I, I didn't make the playoffs. Um, uh, every other year, I was either in the finals or, or semifinals. Um, and then uh, the year after that, uh, Doug Shedden called me to go play in Memphis. And we went. We ended up winning back-to-back championships there with great guys and great players and an awesome town, awesome owner. And, uh, yeah, so um, it's just a great feeling. I mean, you still have that feeling at the end where the season's over. It's a weird feeling because every, every time the season's over, you're like, well, okay, I'm not going to see the guys anymore, and it's a somber feeling. But um, but at least you have you have that feeling, that somber feeling with a smile on your face because you know that you're a champion. You were a regular so, Danny um, Briere, Khalil Thomas. You put up point-per-game yeah. pace in the playoffs. Look at you. Yes, I was. Uh, I think the second year we won, I was uh, MVP of uh, the playoffs. Uh, so that was a great honor and everything. Uh, um, I was always known as a guy that showed up in the playoffs. So I always, uh, I don't know, I just got excited for playoffs. Uh, so, you know, with that mentality with championship, I think Kevin Kerr and I have that mentality now. We want, we still want to win championships. We're, we're, we're very competitive in that way, and uh, that's our goal. The rise of african-american or african-canadian players in the game has been noticeable uh, and we're seeing some elevated to superstar status i think of an evander kane uh, a pk suban uh, a wayne simmons these are noticeable players that are on the radar and some have elevated to the coaching ranks uh, and in your case you did as well your brother leo certainly as well and you had the chance to really impact players post-playing career. And one of them in particular that you had the chance to influence was your own son, Akil. Uh, but I remember watching it from home. There were all these uh, features that were like, this guy has what it takes. And he falls to the second round, 51st overall by the Kings. I still think he's a complete steal uh, for the Kings. I, I believe he's got a, a great career ahead of him, quick, dynamic, uh, great playmaker. I mean, you were more of a – I'd say you were a kind of a playmaker too, right? How much of your game rubbed off on him? I think I think all of it. I mean, like when you talk to uh, hockey guys around and scouts and everything, you, you, you always hear that Akil plays in all three zones. And uh, that was something that I always taught him as a kid, and and he probably saw as a as a kid too, because uh, 
you know, he used to come to the rink with us uh, every morning. I mean, the rink was his daycare at two years old. So <laughs> he was always coming to practice with me. And uh, so I think one great thing about him as a player that he plays in all three zones. Uh, he's uh, defensively sound. He, he, he knows how to play in his own zone. He could put the puck in the net. He can make plays. Uh, he can win draws. He could kill penalties. He could play defense if you you needed him to. So he's a he's an all around dynamic player. Um, and uh, yeah, and and I think that's what uh, you know separates him. Second round pick. He's got that entry level deal signed. Twenty years of age. Just finished his last year in junior. This is going to be that big step forward. Uh, has he been all over you asking questions on how to be a good pro? Uh, you know what? I, I, yes and no. I meant uh, <laughs> our our relationship is just uh, father and son. Uh, my uh, coaching him, uh, you know, I was doing that when he was younger, and I, and I found that you know he didn't want to coach. He wanted his dad. So I've kind of stared away from that part. I don't usually approach him anymore about the hockey stuff. I let him approach me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just because I, I found that when he was younger. I was coaching him at home, in the car, you know, everywhere. And, and, and it kind of put a little bit of strain on our relationship. Not bad, but uh, just a little bit. And I had to lay back and sit back and say, okay, listen, you know, Akil just needs his dad right now. Uh, so usually uh, I don't bring anything up about hockey. I let him bring it up. We talk about things. We, I send him video on himself or on players that he wants. Uh, yes, so I, I still do, do support his hockey, but I try not to coach him, if mm. that makes sense. I can imagine it would be the roll your eyes, yes, dad, yes, dad, got it, you know, that kind of feeling if you were all over him about his, his play style. Right, exactly. And you know what, George, to tell you the truth, the only time I'm ever over him if he's not working hard. And, and that's one thing that I, I instilled in him is I don't care what you're doing, and you could be having a bad game. Well, at least work hard at having a bad game. So um, that's that's the only thing that you can control as a player, and that's what I tell him, is your feet and your work ethic. And as long as you're doing that, I, I don't care. You, you know, you, you can have a bad game or, or, or whatever the situation is. Just at least if you're working hard, that's all I care about. And I think that's the only thing that I'm, I'm pretty much on him about. I know one story that you know is coming uh, is the day of January 5th, 2020 uh we happen to be playing that day against the florida everblades uh and it just so happened that team canada at the world junior championships was playing for the gold medal and it just so happened that your son scored the game winning goal and canada won gold uh you were on the bench at the time uh, you told me part of the story, but I want to get it from your perspective. So I know you texted me seeing if we could get the score up on the board. Our script was super tight, so I didn't know if we could. Uh, but apparently Matt Marsinu was the spoiler alert. Yeah, it was It was funny, you know. Um, I'm, I'm coaching a game. We're doing video. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was, you know, Kevin and I were peeking at the score, just peeking to see what was going on. And it was a back-and-forth and game I, I, from what I recall, too. Yeah, it was a back-and-forth game, but, you know, Kevin and I are still coaching. We're still focusing on what we need to do to win right now, but we're peaking at the score, if you know what I mean. And, <laughs> and uh, so I can't remember what period. I think it was probably after the game um, or the, it was going into the third period. Uh, we walk in, and uh, I knew the game was over. 
and I said, I, Matt Marcinou was there, and um, he, he came into the office, and I was like, hey, Matt, what was the score of the game? Do you know? Uh, and he calmly said, Team Canada won, Akil scored the game-winning goal. So because of how calm he was, I thought he was just joking, and I just started laughing. And I really thought he was joking, just the, because of the way he said it. Uh, so I, I just pulled up the computer, and I look, and then there it was, the, the game-winning goal. And I just said, Matt, what are you, like, why, why are you excited? <laughs> he just started laughing and everything. Uh, I, I guess he was just, you know, messing around with me. But I, I totally 100% thought that Matt Marsley was joking uh, just because of the, his manner of how he said it so calmly and, and everything. So, yeah, it was a great feeling. Um, you know, your, your son scores a game-winning goal for Team Cata. Uh, one of the the biggest uh, tournaments in the world, and and um, it, it, it's just a you know it was great. It's a great feeling for for our the Thomas family and, uh, and and Canada. What a great goal too, huh? A quick outlet pass gets tipped off a Russian defenseman stick, and he goes right to the cooker, just like you uh, just like you taught him. Right to the backhand yeah. upstairs. Gotta love it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's his go-to move. So. <laughs> I mean, in, in shootouts now, he might have to come up with something else. I don't know. If that's his, he might have to shoot more. But, you know, what a great strip steal. I'm, I'm looking at the goal right now. A great strip steal at the circle. He's all alone. I mean, did he talk to you about, was there anything going through his head at the moment when he, he made that steal, or is that all all reaction? Uh, he told me it was just uh, mostly reaction. He felt somebody on him, and he saw the goalie come out. And he said, you know what, I'm just going to go to my go-to. And he did, and uh, it went in. If by someone on him, three strides behind maybe, he might be overselling that one a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, uh, a great moment. I I was so happy to to see that uh, and to know that I've met your son on a couple of occasions, just a stand-up young man, uh, a a great kid. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he is capable of uh, and, and you see this often where a player's next of kin is so embroiled in the culture and they seem to have a leg up. What about that experience of Akil being around hockey locker rooms as a kid and uh, allowed him to perhaps get a step up and, and be a pro prospect like he is? You know, he, like I said, you know, when Akil used to come to the rink with me at two years old, he was, it was, that was his daycare, and uh, the kid would just sit in, like, the fifth-row seat and watch our whole hour-and-a-half practice and not use the washroom or anything. He would watch the practice. You know, most kids would be playing around, jumping around, and, and, and playing, you know, and he would just watch our whole practice. And, and I, I just think that he, he, he just loved the game from there, and it was just instilled in, in him there. And, um, you know, it's funny thing, the first time we, we ever skated, um, I brought him to the rink and, um, you know, I was prepared to, to carry him around and have the chair out for him and teach him how to skate and everything. So um, I, I tie up his skates. I'm sitting there. So I, I turn back and I go to tie my skates. And while I'm tying my skates, Akil runs out on the ice at two years old and starts skating right away. And uh, we did drills that same day. And, and never stopped ever since. So, um, you know, sometimes after practice, my teammates uh, would go out there with him. The goalie would stay out, and he would do drills with them and everything. So uh, he would be on the ice before we went out and then after. So he got a lot of ice as a youngster. 
and he learned to love the game as a youngster also too. My first time on the ice, I hurt my tailbone, and I have not been out there since. So I might need the chair. I, I don't know if I'm a natural. Yeah. <laughs> Most people would need that, right? But yes. this kid, he just he just knew what to do at two years old, like right away. And, and, and you know, he was just destined to play this sport. It's been great to see his improvement throughout his time with the Niagara Ice Dogs and then, of course, being traded to Peterborough. Uh, at the end of this past year and uh, I'm sure it was disappointing in a way that you know no team could go into the playoffs or see if they had a chance at playing for the Memorial Cup and I know that was a big reason why the Peets acquired him uh, was to go on that run what were his thoughts on that Uh, you know it it was uh, there was mixed emotions I knew that um, you know in Niagara he totally loved it there um he didn't want to go, but he had, he knew that he had to if he wanted to win the Memorial Cup because uh, um, uh, Niagara was rebuilding. Um, you know, Niagara was a great place. The, uh, the owners, Bill and Denise, there treated him well. Uh, Coach Bill and Joe uh, Burke uh, were totally awesome with him. Um, just a, a top-class organization. Um, he was there his whole career. Um, so he really didn't want to leave, and he, he was pretty upset about it, but he knew – and that he had to go to Peterborough if he wanted to win a Memorial Cup. Uh, so he was excited going there, new start with a new team, and, and was excited to go in the playoffs and everything and, and, and hopefully compete for the Memorial Cup. So, um, you know, he, he enjoyed himself there, and uh, Peterborough is another top-class organization. Um, uh, so he was pretty excited about it. Uh, and then with everything coming down to an end like this, uh, you know, it, it's just sad that his last year junior that uh, it happened like this big picture Khalil uh, one could argue that for lack of better words you're a trailblazer in the game uh, that you know a black player that was of of high skill a productive player uh, a player that now has a next generation that uh, could very well find himself in the NHL very soon yeah you allowing the game to grow and and you know, having a black presence in the game must make you proud and, and knowing that you had a part in it. Reflect on that for me, if you don't mind, about what that means to you and perhaps what it'll take to get more players, uh, uh, black players in the game. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, um, you know, I don't know if we're the first family, but, you know, we come from a, a, a hockey family. You know, my brother, my nephew – um, uh, my, uh, my other nephew who's coming up, uh, Driston, uh, he's, uh, nine years old and he's coming up right now. And, um, you know, we, we come from a hockey family. Uh, my, my younger guy, Aiken, uh, who was playing and he's, he's starting to play basketball now, but, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's good. You know, we're a hockey family and, um, and that's what we do. Uh, unfortunately, none of our girls wanted to play hockey, but, uh, that, that was, uh, their choice, but yeah, I mean, uh, my my brother's son's playing now too, and and he looks up to Akil, and um, you know, and other um, younger um, black hockey players or, or minority hockey players look up to Akil out of Toronto also too. So um, you know, it's it's I, I think that you know economically, the the economic challenges is I think a, a part of why um, there isn't um, more minority players. I mean. You know, 
it's it's cheaper to uh, pick up a basketball or soccer cleats than it is to play hockey, right? I mean, alone right now, hockey skates are a thousand dollars off the bat, and and those are only for skates. Sticks are three hundred, so it, it goes on. And registrations ten thousand dollars, tournaments, hotels, so it it adds up to you know to twenty thirty thousand dollar investment every year for your kid. So you know I, I don't know. You know, if we could, I don't know how to solve that problem. Uh, ice costs are going up. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's what, how I feel about that. And seeing a lot of organizations take that and run with it, I think the the one that I, I, I'm most familiar with is the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, uh, which at least uses the game as a vehicle to teach life lessons uh, with minorities. But you're right. It is an economic challenge, certainly. I mean, especially imagine if you're a goalie, right? I mean, those those costs are exorbitant. I mean, it's inhumane sometimes thinking about how much that stuff is and how often you have to replace it, uh, especially in their teenage years. Like, I, I can't even – I don't even want to think about it. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that there's more to come, uh, that – your son uh, that carries the torch that you carried as well, and, and that we see more because it's good for the game. It's good to have a multicultural game and to see these stories come to life. Uh, seeing uh, if I'm if I have my my story right of Wayne Simmons, he's from Scarborough, uh, another uh, yep. suburb of of Toronto, uh, and he didn't grow up in the best of circumstances economically, but still. His skill found a way uh, that he had to really scratch and claw to have an existence in the game at all, but yep. has has forged a, a great career behind him. And if I recall, Mike Greer, uh, a player that uh, was behind the bench in New Jersey, if I recall this correctly, uh, we're seeing the impact more and more, and I hope we continue to see the impact more and more. So uh, I'm proud of what you're doing. Uh, if that means anything from me, uh, it's a pleasure working alongside you, Khalil, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you do as well as what uh, your son does as well. So continued success on your end and on Akil's end as well. All right. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Any closing thoughts for the fans out there? Uh, no, just uh, pretty, uh, I think, uh, just pretty excited for next season. Um you know, with uh, the players that we're going to bring in, the players that are going to come down from the American League and the NHL, and uh, uh, we're just ready to go. I hope that we can uh, get back to something a little more normal sometime soon, and we'll have yeah. that for you. I, I sure hope that we're back at it again here very soon. Yes, me too. Khalil, thanks for coming on down the rabbit hole, and uh, I hope that uh, I can see you again sometime soon. I know you're getting swole at the Bonscore Wellness Arena on the daily, so uh, I may not recognize you when uh, I see you next. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> Caswole Thomas, perhaps. I don't know. He's he's gonna yeah. be he's gonna be the hunk behind the bench before you know it. So. That's been Khalil Thomas. Uh, Again, uh, we're finding a way here in the quarantine, and uh, we will see you soon. And we'll talk to you next time on Down the Rabbit Hole. We'll see you, Khalil. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next week.